You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Hallelujah. Good morning. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, right now. I'm just incredibly struck with gratitude this morning. Incredibly struck with the gratitude of a Savior that loves me and has given his life for me and loves me unconditionally, regularly, daily. And it can be so easy to get lost in this season. There's so many other things vying for our attention right now. There's so many other things that demand our attention. But Jesus is our everything. None of us are here without him. I don't even have my family without him. I met my wife doing college ministry. She wasn't even going to that college. Her sister's boyfriend was going to that college. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if, if you pause and think about all that we have in him, all that he's given us, all that we possess through him, then this season will not be a stressful season. This season will not be a, a season of anxiety, but it'll be a season of blessing. This season can truly be a blessing to you if you let it, and if you approach it that way, not as a a list of things that you need to do, not trying to meet the expectations and demands of others, but if you simply go into it intentionally that you are blessed in this season and will be a blessing, what a difference this year will be. I, I gotta like, you know, say that my wife has already started this. She's like, I am going to have a good Christmas. Given how this year is gone, I am intent and determined to have a good Christmas this year. So she decorated a lot. We replaced all of our mugs with Christmas mugs. There is not a regular mug in our cabinet right now. They're like, every single one of them has something Christmassy on it. That's not usually like her, okay? But she's like, I'm going into this intentional to not only receive the blessings of the Lord, but to be a blessing also. What a difference it makes when you change your perspective about this season. You won't go into it agitated or irritated at everything that you need to do or that someone, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're so busy and intent on getting things done, You know what comes as an annoyance sometimes? People. People who want to be with you. People who care about you. People who want to spend time with you. And if you take the time to spend with them, you will be blessed and be a blessing. But instead we're like, I don't have time for you. I've got to do all these other things that are for you. So that you'll be happy when I do them for you. When in reality, if we were just able to be a blessing in the moment that we're in, we would give them what they probably want most, which is us. 
Now, that's not in my notes or anything. I, I'm just struck with it. And I, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would grab hold of this season not as like one more thing I need to buy, one more thing I need to do, one more expectation or demand that I need to meet, but that you would just get lost in your love for the Savior. And it's easy to kind of love the grown-up Jesus who did miracles and died on the cross for you, but can you love the fact that Jesus made himself so vulnerable as a child for you? Like he could have come any way. He could have come like dropped out of heaven in glory. And people would have followed him right on the spot. But what an amazing experiment God chose to undertake in coming as a child and growing up as a human for 33 years. I'm having trouble with year 49, okay? Can't imagine what it is to be God and subject yourself to being man and having to deal with all that. But can you appreciate for that moment like how wonderful it is that Jesus came in the manner in which he did so that we would be blessed. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by that. The Christmas season for many can be a time of joy, but for others it can be a time of great sorrow. If you've lost someone in the last year or two years, you find that this time of the year is particularly difficult. Um, even just pulling out the decorations from last Christmas. Maybe you and your husband decorated, and now he's gone. Now you got to decorate that. Maybe you are decorating, and you, know, you had your grandma, and then your grandma or your grandpa passed away, and there's something they always did with you. There was a tradition that you always had, and now like, you can't even really bring yourself to do that or even bring yourself to look at those things because it, it stirs memories. And these are good memories, right? These are blessing memories in our life, but they become painful for us because we, we feel the void, we feel the emptiness. So for some, you know, uh, it can be joyful. For others, it can be not so great. Uh, sometimes there's sadness, sometimes there's loneliness, sometimes there's grief that goes along with it. But I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that God's kind of laid on my heart in this Christmas season. Can I sh share with you an insight as a pastor that we pastors who pastor churches know every year we are going to preach on the Christmas story. But there's, so many, there's just only so many ways that you, we can bring it to you and make it sound interesting or to have you not tune out. Uh, you know what I mean? Because sometimes when a story is familiar, like I know this story. Uh, I remember like, you know, when you teach Sunday school or youth group kids, and especially if they were church kids, they're like, I know this story. It's like, yes, I know you know this story, but you should still remember the story, and we should still read it, lest we ever forget. And I'll say that too, like even next Sunday, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, can you believe that? It's like literally it's here, like here. Can I encourage you to come on Christmas Eve and worship before you go anywhere else? If you have to go somewhere with family, I get it. But like, these are the one of the two things that are our most sacred days, really, as a time where we honor the Lord. Can we take time on these special days and honor Jesus with our presence and being with him? But I want to share a verse with you that's a familiar verse, but it's a verse that we need to hear and be reminded of. It's found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. It says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, a bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for sending your son to us. Thank you for the gift that is Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation he brought with him. And I pray today, help us to remember that, Lord, you didn't just save us and leave us on our own, but that you saved us and that you, by your Holy Spirit, are with us every single moment of every single day. And I pray that we would find comfort in that, we would find strength in it, and that you would be with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We see this passage in Mark chapter 1. Incidentally, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, talks about the incarnation or the birth of Jesus from Joseph's perspective. Luke talks about it from Mary's perspective. Now, Matthew uh, relates how Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, even though Mary had told him that this was uh, God's son that was given to her by the Holy Spirit, he still had his concerns and doubts and he was going to divorce Mary quietly. But the Lord appears to him, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and tells him to not divorce Mary, but to remember that this is conceived by the Holy Spirit, given by God to mankind, and that he will be called Jesus. He will save the people from their sins, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the word Emmanuel, in the Hebrew, it's El Emmanu, which means God, Elohim. Emmanuel is with us. In Greek, it is simply Emmanuel, But it communicates a simple truth that a sign shall be to you that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel. Now some people have tried to say, well, this this prophecy doesn't refer to the virgin birth. It just refers to a regular birth. But as amazing as pregnancy is, I would say a virgin conception and birth is a lot more amazing. Wouldn't you agree? And that was, that's really a sign. No offense to the women in the room that you were pregnant, you gave birth to children. That is a miracle and that's a wonderful thing. But most of you had someone to help you with that, right? So you were born, gave birth to a child, but it wasn't a sign, a divine sign that people would say, hey, this is going to appoint me to God. This was a sign that was to point people to the Savior of the world. And it communicates a simple truth. Now, the importance, why is this important? Why is the virgin birth important? Well, when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire in 321 AD, the Council of Nicaea and Chalidon met and made some non-negotiable, indisputable teachings of Scripture, and they called these things creeds. You might know them as the Apostles' Creed. You might know them as certain creeds. Maybe you even used to recite them when you were in a different church tradition. And one of the things that they uh, communicated was a non-negotiable truth was the virgin birth of Jesus, conceived and born in Mary and was born of the Holy Spirit, fully God, the second person of the Trinity, that when Jesus came, he truly came in the flesh. 
Now, why did Jesus come this way? Why was he born to Mary? Well, there's a few reasons for that, and you can feel free to jot them down or just listen very carefully. But the first reason is that he had to die for our sins. Now, being God by spirit, spirit cannot die. But when he came in the flesh, flesh is mortal, flesh is here, and it can be killed and it can die. God had set up through the covenant of Moses, the Mosaic law, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so when Christ came, he came to die and shed his blood once for all so that no further sacrifice for sins under the Mosaic law would ever have to be offered, but that he was the once and for all atoning sacrifice. He could not do that if he was spirit. He had to be in the flesh. Another reason is that he was to be with us. We talk about Emmanuel being God with us. He can't be with us if he's not with us. Do you get what I'm saying? Is that he had to be born in the flesh. He was born as a child, was raised through his children's years and up through his teenage years and his adult years. He walked among mankind. He understood the human experience. That's why I love Jesus all the more because no other religion talks about that. No other religion says, you know, everything is God, people trying to get to God and reach God, but in Christianity, Jesus is God reaching down to us and walking among us and understanding us. He became physically present. When he came to us, he left heaven. We don't often think about this, but for 33 years, the right hand of the Father was empty. Think about that for a moment. For 33 years, Jesus left his throne in glory. He left the the throngs upon throngs of angels and saints that were praising him on a regular basis. He set aside his omnipotence. He set aside his omniscience. He set aside all the things that would be there at his command. And he came to earth and he subjected himself to humanity. He left heaven. That seat at the right hand of the Father was empty for 33 years until he returned to the right hand of the Father on his resurrection. That's an incredible thing to think about. He came and he dwelt in Nazareth. He did this because of his kinship and his kingship was important to the Jewish people. The Jewish people were looking for the Messiah and they were looking for their their promised deliverer. And he would have to be one of them. And he would have to be of the throne and line of David in order for the people to recognize who he was. And there was very specific things that had to take place. He had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be a descendant of David. He had to live and dwell in Nazareth and Galilee. These are things that could not have happened, that people would not have noticed that he is who he was supposed to be, where these things were not to happen. So he had to come in that way. He also came to proclaim and show the coming kingdom of God. Instead of sending someone else, God came himself. And he says, this kingdom that I want to introduce you to, I am coming myself. It's so important. It was such a vital and important message. I'm not entrusting this to anyone else but my son. And he was going to be the one that comes and proclaims the kingdom of God with power and with glory. Jesus came and he taught us the way to the Father. Without Jesus coming in the flesh, without him coming in humanity, we would be lost in our sin still today. But his preaching, his teaching, his work on the cross made a way for us to go to heaven. 
a way that our sins could be forgiven and we are made right with God. And he came so that we could be with him forever. My hope is that in this Christmas season that you will see Jesus as our Emmanuel. During these next couple of weeks, I I want you to be able to understand that, that God is with us, not just in the good times, amen? I love the good times. I don't know about you. Good times are great. I'm looking forward to some good times with friends and family these next couple of weeks, these moments where you kind of forget about the cares and the troubles of the world, and you, and you just dwell in that moment. But how many know it can't always be good times? He's with God with us in the good times. He's God with us in the bad times. He's God with us in success. And listen to me, people that are under 30 or right around that 30 age group, he's with us in failure, okay? He isn't just with us. God isn't just uh, solely with us and proud of us when we succeed, from an American corporate standpoint, sometimes when we fail in life, we feel like God is displeased with us because the job didn't work out or our career aspirations didn't work out. And how many times do we sit down to ourselves and say, I'm a failure, but are we measuring ourselves by the world standard of success or are we measuring ourselves by what God thinks of us? And when you think about it that way, God's with us in both success and failure. He's with us in triumph, and he's with us in trial. He's with us in joy, and he's with us, yes, even in our sorrow. One of the ways we experience Jesus as God is that he's with us even in grief, and I want to focus on that today. If you've ever dealt with some kind of grief, you know that this season can be particularly hard, but can I share with you a truth that he is still with us even in grief. Grief comes at different times and different seasons. It can be painful, but Jesus is still present with us even in the midst of that. Take a look at John chapter 11, 32 through 44. We see that Jesus is present in their grief. Verse 32 says, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Mary and Martha just lost their brother Lazarus. He has been buried and in the tomb for four days. And uh, they're saying, you know, Jesus, if you had been here, your good friend, the person you care about, would not have died. Verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And then some said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take the stone away. Jesus is moved. He's moved by the grief of Mary and Martha. He is moved with compassion, even though Jesus knew what he was going to do. Isn't that amazing to think about, is that Jesus so moved by what he sees in the reactions of the people that are grieving that he is moved to tears. And I don't think they're angry tears when it comes to Mary and Martha. There's a, a frustration that comes later that we'll read but that he's moved with tears even though he knows how it's going to turn out. He knows what he has planned and he knows what he's going to do. Can I encourage you in that? 
is that even though God knows how this is going to turn out that you're going through right now, even though God knows what he's going to do in your situation, that even in the midst of that, it's not that God is distant, cold, aloof, or detached from you, but he is present right there with you, seeing what you see, feeling what you feel, and grieving with you. Uh, what is one of the, the describers of what the Holy Spirit's ministry is? Is it not that he is our comforter, right? We find comfort when someone understands, when someone brings us uh, hope and is alongside us during those difficult moments. He doesn't leave them alone in their grief. Instead, he's right there with them, feeling what they feel, weeping with them. And as believers in Christ, we have to trust that God has a plan and we have to trust him that he's going to see it through. But notice the other side of this. There were people that were critical of Jesus, people that didn't like Jesus at all, uh, people that were saying, well, you know, Jesus, it's great that he's here and it's great that he's shedding some tears, but couldn't you have done something, Jesus? Couldn't you have maybe kept him from dying? Couldn't you have fixed him? And, and Jesus is angered in his spirit over this that there would be people with this wrong kind of attitude. Verse 39 says, Jesus said to them, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said all these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Jesus still works in spite of the lack of faith of those who are critical around him. He prays out loud. He could have just simply called Lazarus to come out. He simply could have just prayed to himself. But he doesn't. He does it out loud, visibly and audibly, so that those around him would hear and know that he's giving glory to the Father and he's doing this so that they would believe. Can I challenge you with a thought today that as you go through your situation, as you go through your grief, as you go through your trial, would you be a vocal proponent of faith in your household? Would you be a vocal proponent of God's goodness in the midst of hardship? Not for your benefit, but for the benefit of those who are listening and watching around you. Because God will be glorified through you if you let him. Do you believe that today? That everything is for God's glory, not just the good stuff. But even the things that we go through, the difficulties and the hardships, it will all be, all, A-L-L, it will all be for his glory. And whether he sees me through it and I come out victorious on the other side or whether I go through it and I grieve, it doesn't matter. Just like Job, I will glorify the Lord no matter what. And that's an important perspective to have because if your faith is so temporary that the difficulties that you face completely derail it, you need to test the quality of your faith. Amen? Get the sermon within the sermon today, I guess. The amazing thing is, and here's something else to keep in mind. 
You would think that everyone would be really happy that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Mary and Martha are happy. The people that knew Lazarus were happy. The disciples were happy. You know who wasn't happy? People who didn't believe. It says that the Pharisees, when they heard news about Lazarus' resurrection, they were mad about it. They wanted to kill Jesus all the more, and this is even more mind-blowing. They plotted on how they might be able to kill Lazarus. We sometimes think all it takes is a miracle for my family to believe. All it would take is a miracle for my friends and my coworkers to believe. But we see from this passage, a man is raised from the dead. And the first reaction by the people that hated Jesus was, how do we kill him and how do we kill the guy that just rose from the dead? It's an indication to us that there are times where faith requires more than just the miracle to see something take place. If a person's heart is hard, they won't often receive. Only the Holy Spirit can change them. Only God's grace can change them. And pray all the more, especially when you see hard, stubborn family, friends, coworkers who don't want anything to do with you or Jesus, don't give up, but pray harder. Because the only thing that's gonna change that attitude is the Holy Spirit. But remember that Jesus wept with Mary and Martha. Remember that Jesus was moved even though he knew what he was going to do ahead of time. The Lord is near to those who are hurting. Let's look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms to share with people when they've gone through a tragedy of some kind when someone in their families died, when they've lost a loved one, when they're going through a period of incredible turmoil in the soul. Uh, This psalm in particular is one that I cling to and I like to relay to them. And maybe some of you have received the text message from me when you've gone through something and I've used this psalm. This is the reason why. And I want you to just highlight in your Bible or save it somewhere. Psalm 34, 17 through 19 in the ESV. It says, when the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Three things that the psalmist says here concerning the righteous. Now, the righteous, the psalms always make this distinction, okay? Righteous versus the unrighteous. Righteous versus the wicked. Who are the righteous? The righteous are ones who live to please God. They're ones who do the right thing. Okay? And so it's important to understand that when we go through hardship that we need to do the right thing. God is near to those. And oftentimes when we go through hardship, when we go through difficulty, we sometimes drift away from God. But it says that the Lord's near to the righteous. Those who who do what's right in his sight. But notice these three things that he says. I want to just share with you these three things. First thing is that he hears. He says, when the righteous cry out to him, he hears the cry of the righteous. When he hears their cry, he responds. Like a mother who responds to a crying child, so God responds to us. It says in Exodus, when the Israelites cried out to God, God heard them and sent Moses to deliver them. It's okay to cry. You know, we're New Englanders, we're tough. And maybe you were raised in a tough family where you were conditioned not to cry. 
But it's a good thing to cry once in a while. It's a good thing to mourn. It's a good thing to grieve. Because what the scriptures say is that he turns our mourning into dancing. He gives us beauty for ashes, right? So you have to have something to exchange with the Lord to be able to receive those things. So you have to be able to have those things at place. Science tells us that tears actually release toxins in your body. Did you know that? That when you're crying, those toxins come out. But sometimes when we become strong, determined, we said, okay, you know, I need to get through this and I can't show weakness. But then we need to remember what Paul wrote is that in, his, in our weakness, we find strength from the Lord. So when we cry, it means that we've reached the end of what we felt like our strength could handle. And if you just leave it without faith, that's all you've got. But if you turn those cries and those tears uh, into cries for help from the Lord, he induces you with supernatural strength. What do I mean by supernatural strength? Not that you're going to pick up a car and throw it. That's not what I'm talking about, although you might do that in your frustration. But the strength to get through something that's so difficult that everyone around you is going to go, how did you get through that? And you can say, it was the Lord. It's in our weakness that the Lord gives us strength. When the righteous cry out to him, he hears them. But we actually have to cry out to him in our times of grief, sorrow, and distress. Cry out to the Lord when you need help. There's an old song that was written in the year 2000. And, you know, to, believe me, I, I have trouble with the idea that the year 2000 is an old song now but it's now going on 23 years ago, so it's, it's vintage. It's not antique, but it's vintage, okay? So the year 2000, uh, Tommy Walker wrote a song called He Knows My Name, and the lyrics communicate a beautiful truth about how God the Father feels about us. He says, I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me no matter where I go. He knows my name. I'm so glad I can say he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. Older song, but beautiful truth there that God knows his own. He hears their cry. He sees when your, uh, your tears are falling. He sees when you're distressed in spirit. He sees when you're anxious. He sees when you're fearful. He doesn't judge you in that moment. Instead, his heart reaches out to you in that moment. Longing that you would say, just, just call on me. Just reach out to me, and I will hear you. The second thing we see is that he is near. God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Grief can often be a lonely place. It feels like no one understands what you're going through. To have a broken heart is when someone you loved or cared about deeply is gone and the world that you used to know is shattered in a million pieces. And it feels like your spirit is crushed. What I mean by that is not, I'm not talking about it's physically crushed, but the motivation to keep going is gone. The joy that you had in life is gone. And you struggle to kind of reconfigure your life about what can I find that gives me joy. And sometimes it's, it's tough just for you to get out of bed. Sometimes it's tough for you to just kind of get out of that kind of rainy day mindset that you find yourself in. 
So sometimes your spirit is crushed. At times it feels like you're the only one that's there to pick up the pieces. But you're not. It says the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted. Kind of picture it, if you will, if you had a really nice vase or if you had a, a really beautiful sculpture of glass and it's a family heirloom. It's been part of your family forever. And, you know, you've got it uh, in a wonderful place, place of prominence in your house. It's beautiful. The light hits it just so and it sparkles and you're incredibly proud of it. Maybe it's that, you know, lead crystal or whatever it is. And, and of course, it's the holidays, so you have family over. Sometimes you have younger family over that are not quite as careful and don't quite appreciate beautiful things like that as maybe as much as you do. And then all of a sudden, someone knocks it over and it falls down. And when it falls and you hear that sound and that sound, you're like, oh, no. Was that grandma's lead crystal swan? Or whatever it was. And you're like, I can't believe that. I hope it wasn't that. And, you know, and so what do you do? You and the person are there, what? Cleaning it up. And there's apologies. And there's this, you know, it's like, it'll be okay. You're mad, but it's going to be okay. But someone's there helping you pick up the pieces to clean that up. God's there for you to help pick up the pieces of your broken heart and your broken life. He's right there by your side in your tears, helping you to pick that up so that you're not by yourself. He's close to you during those times. He sees, he knows, and he's there. In fact, you don't usually see when you're going through it that he's there. There are times when you'll go through things in your life where you're just focused on the next day, the next hour, the next minute, right? Some things are so hard, sick family member, Uh, an elderly loved one, a death in the family, uh, a child that's going through rebellion or addiction. You're just trying to get through that next day, am I right? Next hour, the next moment, and hopefully you'll, you'll make it through. And then finally, that season of your life ends. And you don't know how you got through it, but then in reflection, you see all the ways that God provided. You see all the ways that God comforted. You see all the people that God brought into your life to help you, and you begin to see God was always there. I was just too focused on what I was going through to see it. And God's present there with you, no matter what. God is a refuge for those who are hurting. He's a strong tower we can run into from the storm. Trust that the Lord is near you, and let his Holy Spirit comfort you. You know why I know God is with you? It's because when you were saved, he deposited the Holy Spirit inside you. So as long as you are there, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. He hears, he's near, and the third thing is he delivers. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Sometimes when you go through difficulties, we think that's only happening to us. And can I tell you that there are seasons where it seems like there's just one wrong thing after another happening? Can I just share with you that some seasons are good seasons and some seasons are not good seasons? Some seasons are your seasons and other times they're not. They're just the way it is. There'll be periods in your life, and you probably know this better than me. You could probably sit me down and say, listen here, young man. <laughs> let me tell you about the seasons of my life. And let me tell you how 
things. And you can point to periods in your life that were difficult that you went through, okay? You just happen to be in a season where everything just doesn't seem like it's coming together at all. Don't let those seasons push you further from God. Let them push you closer to him. Remember, Jesus told us that in this world we would have trouble, but to take heart, he has overcome the world. And we are to do what's right in his sight, not just because of what we can get out of it. We sometimes say, well, I'm doing everything right. How come I'm not, if you're, that's the reason why you're doing it, you're doing it for the wrong motivation. We're doing the right thing because it is the right thing, not because of what we can get out of it. We're doing the right thing because it pleases God, not because of what he will give us in exchange for that. Hard times remind us of how much is out of our control. There are things that we can't control in our life no matter how hard we try. It's times like this that remind us that we need to depend upon Jesus if we have any hope of getting through it. And and let me tell you today that you have a better chance of getting through it with Jesus than you do without him, okay? It's like, well, I'll just get through this and like, I can't focus on God right now. I can't go to church. I can't worship. I can't pray. Let me tell you something. You're giving up your best chance of getting through it. Not that you won't get through it. You'll still get through it. But the kind of person you will be at the end will be different if you walk with Jesus than if you don't. I've seen it when people who don't walk with Jesus, they become very hard, jaded, bitter, angry individuals. And they're changed because of the experience and not for the better. But when you're walking with Jesus, as hard as the things are, you come out on the other side as more forgiving, more gracious, more generous, more encouraging, more kind. Why? Because you've been through it. You've sat there and you've lost someone and you've been through it. So the next time when someone else goes through it, you sit by them and say, you know what? I've been there. And let me help you with that. Let me share with you something that really I held on to. I had nothing else, but here's this verse. Here's this promise. Here's the truth that I held on to, and it saw me through. Trust God to bring you through it. Trust in his word and his promises. Rely on his faithfulness and take stock in his history of being there for you. Listen, one thing you can remember about God is that he has been faithful And where are the times that we can say we've been faithful? It's usually in the times when things have been terrible, right? When you had no money, when you had no friends, when people didn't like you very much, when you felt bad about yourself. It's usually in the times that were bad that you say God was faithful. Why? Because everyone else abandoned you. And God was faithful in the midst of that. Even when you didn't have anybody in your corner, when you had no one to support you, he was there and he was faithful to you. It is the challenges of life that reinforce the faithfulness of God in the midst of it. There are answers to prayers that we have no business receiving. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we have no business to ask God for anything because we love him, we serve him, and then we fall away. And we love him, we serve him, we fall away. And we say we're sorry, we go back to the same pattern. But you know what? God doesn't say, like, I'm going to stop answering your prayers. God still answers our prayers, not because we deserve it, but because of his goodness, because he's a good, good father, and every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of light who does not have shifting shadows. That's the God that we serve. 
So if he was God in the good times, I got news for you, he's God in the bad times. If he was God when, when you were encouraging somebody through it, guess what? He'll be the God that encourages you when you go through it because he's present and his faithfulness is reinforced through the hard times. Only if you let him, though. Otherwise, you'll say, well, where's God in all this? He is right by our side. And trust in his promise that he will deliver us from all of our troubles. He will deliver us from all of our afflictions. He will deliver you out of darkness, out of loneliness, out of depression, out of grief, out of seclusion. It won't always be like this. And if you believe that today, say amen. Amen. It won't always be like this. Whether it's he brings me out on the other side of what I'm going through now, or it's all forgotten in eternity's glory, I will come through this. And so will you. Because that is the faithfulness of our God. The God that came in the flesh in the form of a baby 2,000 years ago so that you can know this. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. As I close, I want you to think about this today. Maybe you're going through something right now. Sometimes we grieve and the grief is of different things. Sometimes we lose a loved one and that crushes our world. A father, a mother who, you know, you, maybe you had a really great relationship with them and you were best friends and so you've lost them and like they're not the same and it's just not the same without them and your life has been affected by it. God is present in that grief. Maybe you've lost a job and your job was your whole identity. It was all that you were and you've lost that and now it's like I don't know who I am and you just feel downcast, depressed, and and afraid. Maybe your health and your mental state, you know, maybe you don't remember things like you used to. Maybe you need help getting up and sitting down. Maybe you have to depend upon more people and you didn't have to do that before. Maybe your health is a constant concern to you and you're grieving over that. It's like I used to, and it frustrates you. It makes you mad. Can I tell you, God is present in that. He is there for you in that. And even if you can't do the things that you used to do, it doesn't mean that you're useless for God. That God still has a use for you. You just have to shift what your use is for now. I can't serve anymore, but I can pray. I can't serve anymore, but I can write someone and encourage them. I can't serve anymore, but I can, I can send a card and encourage somebody. God's not done with you yet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But maybe you're in that place where you're just like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I'm in the valley, and I need God to bring me through it. Whatever it is this morning, whatever it is, I want you to know that God is present for you. He is here, and he won't leave you by yourself. I can say that after serving God for the last 25 years of ministry. I can say that as, at 48 years of loving and serving God, and I'm sure you could tell me the same thing. But sometimes we need to be reminded, don't we? Sometimes it's hard for us to remember. Sometimes it was, it was easy when we weren't going through it and someone else was. We could offer the scripture. We could offer the prayer. We could offer the encouragement. But now it's us, and we're like, I don't know if I can. Can you let someone else be to you what you were to them? Do you have just enough humility in your heart to do that? 
Let someone be to you what you were to them. Well, I can't receive. You know, I've been doing this for too long, and I, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I'm proud. Let that go. All right? In times like this, it's important that we bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And we do that through sharing and praying and encouraging one another. I would love to do that with you today. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to end this service. And if you have to slip out, slip out quietly. You know, I love the time of fellowship we have, and I love the conversations you all have. But have them in the hallway. But let's turn this place into a place of prayer in which people can kind of really share their heart and know that not only the Lord's going to be standing by them, I'm going to stand with you too and pray and believe. I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but we trust the one who leads us and guides us, and he's going to be there for us. Amen? Amen. So when I'm done praying, please come forward, and I would love to pray with you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your unfailing love that reaches to a thousand generations. That you are the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forevermore. We sometimes feel like you change because it's us. And we don't feel like we deserve you. So there's times where we think that you treat us differently than other people. And we're somehow less of a son and less of a daughter. But God, your heart would be today is that you are still near to the brokenhearted. You're still near those who crush in spirit. And you deliver them and you hear them. So Lord, I just pray today for each person that's here this morning, for those that are watching online, Lord God, that you would help them wherever they're at right now to recognize and remember that you are God with us even in the hard times, that we are yours and we belong to you and you will see us through this. Help us to trust your goodness, hold on to your promises, and trust your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.